Congratulations, you made it to the Xville. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week, we're just going to talk about a lot of the changes that have been made in the last few days at the time of this recording to some things that Maybe you haven't got there yet. Maybe you haven't progressed to where these will affect you. But there's also a number of changes that happen to even level one traders or some of the first things that are going to happen in the hideout. And it's just worth understanding and knowing what these are. And I think both Ronald and I are of the mind that some of these changes are more impactful than the surface level would indicate. So we're going to jump into that. And as far as hideout keeping this week on my end, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to It's Smitty. He is the first person this wipe that has confirmed killed me on his PMC while I was on my PMC. He got me in the dorms on customs and he came to tell me about it. And so here I am bowing, sir, you took me down. Well played. I'm not going to say it was desync. I'm not not going to say it was desync, but you got me. (laughs) So Smitty, You win hideout keeping this week, and that's the only announcements from a community standpoint that I wanted to make outside of just know that there are tons of people joining the Discord recently. Welcome everybody that has joined. We have people that just switched from console. We have people that haven't gamed at all, and they saw Tarkov, and they grabbed it, and it's their first PC game. They built a PC for it, so make sure, hey, if somebody asks a question, it may seem simple. It may seem like you should know it already, but getting beginner info on this game is really challenging, so be helpful to those folks. You guys are always great. Keep doing that. Just don't assume that everyone knows the best way to do something or how a certain playstyle should try to tackle something We have a lot of new players to the game, a lot of new players to PC, so great job. I love reading the uh, questions and the answers that go on in there, and I love jumping in there as well, so keep that up, but uh, that's, that's all I've got for hideout keeping. Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know how to get in touch with you and uh, what's going on on your side of hideout keeping. Hey, what's up, everybody? Good to be with you this week. Um, Been a pretty fun week. Looking forward to getting into the show. As always, the best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord, but I want to talk about Discord for a second, actually. I want to talk about the hardware section in Discord. This is the place where you can come and ask questions about your computer, your PC setup, optimizing your computer to play your games, whatever questions you might have. There's a bunch of people always willing to help in that channel, but I actually want to shout out one of the people. We have a hardware upgrade, hardware section, Discord hero in Smoky Ranger. Smokey Ranger, you have done a great job, sir. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for all the questions that you've answered, for taking the time to help as many people as you've helped. It's been a lot of fun to answer questions with you, and you've answered questions when I can't be in there, and I just want to say thank you. Done a great job. Smokey Ranger is one of the community members who just makes the Exfil community great, and 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But besides that, you can always follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming, and you'll find me a couple days a week hanging out in MTB's Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash MTB Trigger. I hang out in the afternoons there and just have a good time while we watch Trigger play a game or whatever, and we talk about very random things from food to snow to Tarkov to all kinds of random things come up in chat. So come hang out there. It's always a good time. And of course, we can talk Tarkov if you want to. And besides that, if you have something that you want to get to us that's more formal, the business contact for the show is xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And support for this show, this episode, support for the XFIL, comes from manscaped.com. Use code XFIL for 20% off and free shipping off all of your orders there. Manscaped is the best in men's grooming hardware and product. Make sure to check out manscaped.com. And if you end up getting something, make sure to use code EXFIL. That's code XFIL, 20% off, free shipping. Make sure to use that if you go. Other ways you can support us here on the XFIL podcast, same thing as always, guys. Share it with a friend. It's the best thing you can do for us. It's the best thing you can do for the community. And we just sincerely appreciate you sharing the show, whether it's on Reddit, whether it's in Twitch, wherever it comes up. Letting people know about the show is amazing. For those of you that are looking to directly support, we do have a Patreon for that. We have monthly donation options as low as $1. A lot of people take advantage of that. Sincerely appreciate that as well. If you have an Amazon subscription, you can link that to a Twitch account, and you can go over to my Twitch channel, MTB Trigger there, and subscribe there for free if you link your Amazon to your Twitch via the Prime Gaming function there. It's just a free way that you can get us some money for already using Amazon, and I know most of you already have it. Lastly, like Ronald said, social media, YouTube, we've got more content coming out. We've got guide videos coming out. We have a factory spawn clearing and spawn guide series that is in progress right now. The high level video is up. We're going to have the forklift spawn video coming out. Maybe by the time you hear this, or maybe shortly after that, one of the most dangerous spawns on Factory, which is where we're going to start there. So get over to youtube.com forward slash XP Media now for those guides, tips, and tricks, and even more. If you're looking for me specifically, you can always find me on Twitter, Discord, or Twitch at MTB Trigger. Feel free to message me, reach out, and uh, come hang out on the Twitch channel. We've been having a lot of fun playing Tarkov recently, a lot of new faces in there. Great to see everybody and just really appreciate the support on all of those platforms. So that's hideout keeping, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's jump into our week in Tarkov. How was uh, how's your week, man? Well, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broke. I have no money. <laughs> oh, such a different position to be in. Usually I have all the money and, um, you know, none of the progression. And so this time around, I've done progression as hard as I can, which means I have none of the money. <laughs> But uh, doing okay. Uh, level 26, almost level 27. Been pushing the hideout a lot. So every possible upgrade I could do in my hideout at my current level, I've done. I have unlocked uh, the first level of the Bitcoin farm. So we're very close to at least producing, I believe that's what, one Bitcoin every 10 hours with the first level. So at least a million a day in liquid rubles. 
coming our way. So that's going to really help the cause as far as money goes. But I've been scaving to try to make up the difference. And, you know, my typical shoreline, been doing some scaving with you as we work throughout the day, which is kind of fun to take a break and do that on interchange. Been learning where those high value spots are in the mall and getting some loot out of there. Factory farming has been an interesting uh basically the rest of my week. I've just been trying to get XP. I'm really going to make a push here to get to level 30. I've pushed a lot of tasks basically to the point now where I kind of just need to get to level 30. I need to unlock the next round of traders to kind of make the tasks that I have left to do really viable. So I had a factory first this week. Uh, First full clear uh, of factory, killed the other four PMCs, and then stayed in raid and got uh, 17 scav kills. I exited the raid with uh, 15 seconds left, and it was fantastic. It felt great. Felt like a massive progression in, I would say, you know, my own play style and ability to play against some pretty aggressive players. Because this was a forklift spawn, and this was, you know, a 1v2 right away down glass hallway. And we've done some, I would say, minor tweaks to the way that we've been playing that. And I know I have for sure. And I stormed out with a grenade launch and then just shot down the hallway, kind of prayed a little bit, was a little scared, but we got it done. And so we killed two PMCs there and then I got lucky hunting the other PMCs and having a lot of map knowledge on factory really, really helps where you know what you're listening to is where those people are. And so I'm actually very happy with that. You know, I've had a lot of getting Tarkov this time around, but this was one of those moments where things came together and I was feeling great about how things were going. I immediately respawned in and I died instantly. So Tarkov kicked me right in the nuts right as I was down. (laughs) (laughs) And it just is one of those things. I'm still happy with it. I still think it was a, you know, it it was a good week and I'm looking forward now to pushing some more XP and a little bit more tasks with uh, some of the Mosins. We're killing scavs with a non-scope Mosin. So been running around shoreline uh, for fun, killing a scav or two with a Mosin and just picking up whatever I can find there. But actually in a pretty good space. So it was a pretty good week. How about you? Well, before we jump into my week, I, I really want to talk about that factory clear, man. That's That experience to me was the thing that drove me to learn factory. I wanted to clear it. and. When I did that, it was back when there was actually six PMCs on the map, so you could actually spawn in against a five-man, and they have since reduced that, so there's only five total PMCs, so you got to kill the other four. It's still not easy, because oftentimes you don't see a four-man squad. You usually run into a duo and maybe two solos. That's probably the most common mixture that I see when I solo in, but I love that you wipe the lobby and you said you got 17 kills total i think yep. is that right yep the four pmcs and 13 scavs yeah so do you recall how much experience it was to do that it was close it was just shy of 9000 yeah so i i bring that up because one of the reasons that i play factory a lot is i got to the point where i can play factory and make money meaning i can replenish ammo i can run good gear And my survival rate and ability to farm scabs there is high enough that I can actually make a significant amount of rubles. But the key, and especially right now, is that experience number. Now, it's hard to go from not knowing factory to getting 17 total kills, including four PMCs and almost 9,000 experience 
But once you are comfortable on the map, that is not an uncommon thing. While you had to fight that 1v2 early, it also doesn't have to be a run-and-gun type situation. I would say my average factory run now, and it's the reason we're putting out these guide videos here in the near future, is probably 2 PMC kills and between 7 and 10 scabs. And now, sometimes I don't get to loot all of them or even touch the body to get all the XP, so I would say my average experience is like five or 6,000. Right, it's, it's nothing crazy, but I love that you've dug into this. We did a bunch of duos, we sort of farmed together, and we set up some new strategies on Factory that we really play tested. I don't know, I think it's really neat that we spent time in duos on Factory, tested out some new stuff, had great success with it, and then you turned that into a solo lobby clear. Like, to me, that, I don't know, I guess I want you to talk about that, because that is a huge monumental change from my perception of how you had been doing on factory. Now, I don't know if there was a ramp up progression of that, but it just feels to me like that's a huge, huge win in your gameplay. Yeah, it has been a huge win. And it comes from a couple of different things that we tried in the last couple of weeks doing duos. When we had forklift spawn, we ran out and you would immediately start shooting and I would launch a grenade. And that was just kind of like our basic. We started doing that and it actually worked out pretty well. I mean, we ran into another extremely interesting factory situation, which we'll touch on after this. But because of the grenade launch strategy right away, it's actually the preferred way for how I start now. It just seems to be people are ready to fight there. They're ready to shoot. And yes, you could have somebody storming at you from the left, from the red door spawn. Yes, I mean, that that, that could be the case. But launching a grenade right down glass hallway, if you see somebody there, just takes care of that for a minute so you can fight that PMC coming from the left. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I died a lot of times doing this too. This was a just want to get better at it kind of situation. So I threw some gear at it and threw some time at it. And it's a comfort level thing. When we we set up farms on factory so many times where the noise, and once you get to know all of the sound points you know, you can tell where people are in the map. Once you can take out the guessing game of, okay, they're in this quarter of the map, you don't have to worry about, okay, where are they? Because you know how they can come at you. And the, you know, the only places they can see you are, you know, the different angles. And once you get that level of map knowledge with Factory, it just becomes a place where you have to overcome maybe a fear of playing more aggressively. And I'm not naturally a run and gun FPS player. So I had to get over the run and gun and staying stable and not potatoing and shooting up at the ceiling or something weird like that because I'm scared. So that was the part where I had to get better at and threw some gear at it, threw some time at it, definitely had some deaths. But this wipe, it's been an intentional thing. And if you remember last wipe, I said I was going to spend 50 million rubles doing it. I mean, it's been a focus point for a while. So I'm having a lot more fun with it. And the games get a little sweaty, especially in the beginning. Factory is If you can make it for the first two or three minutes, you really have a good chance of pulling out some good XP and gear because the majority of the PvP happens almost right away and all the players are running around. Exactly. And again, I'm not trying to overplug this factory guide series that's coming out, but you said it right there. The first two or three minutes on factory are absolutely critical. The reason I started on this guide series is because two things. One is everybody has kind of the same advice. 
It's clear the spawns. It's, you know, just kill the other people. Then you're great. <laughs> oh, duh. But it's it, clear the spawns is the advice. And understanding where they are, understanding how people play them is learned through dying a bunch on the map. My goal was to create something that will hopefully identify the enemy's strategies and help you not die as much as you learn to clear the spawns. Clearing the spawns is an interesting term, and I take it literally. I say clearing the spawns means either killing the PMCs or verifying that it's clear so you can set up a farm. And the reason I wanted to outline that before we go into this next part is we would intentionally, based on certain spawn points, forklift being, I would say, a high percentage spawn when you're a duo. Well, you would either spawn forklift or glass hallway, and it was over and over and over. It was one of those two. And so we kind of developed our strategy around those two spots. And if it was on the other side, we would kind of play it slower or get up to the office and and go through there. But with the forklift, we would do exactly what Ronald said. I would go out ADS ready to shoot, and he would lob a grenade over the cars towards glass hallway, not with the intention of killing them there. If he got a kill, that's great. But basically what it would do is if they were sprinting down glass towards us, they would either have to stop, get killed, or run through it into my ADS. And we got so good at this, I don't know that we died to somebody in glass hallway in countless runs. I don't know how many we've done, but we've effectively nullified glass hallway with that strategy. And what then it allows is to listen on the left and make sure that we're not getting flanked from the left. And what oftentimes would happen is we'd have a player in both locations and the grenade would freeze the person in glass hallway or cause them to run out, allowing both of us to focus on the left player. And that's the kind of strategy we wanted to develop because Forklift spawn is brutal. If you're not moving immediately, you're going to get pinched or you couldn't end up in a three-way fight or if there's multiple members on a team, there's nowhere to go. You're literally in a room with one door exit. So if you don't get out that door ready to fight, it can be a real problem. Absolutely. And what ends up happening is we kill two people in glass hallway and one person in the red door and we're are the other two. The map's ours. And then we set up our farm and we've got a great farm strategy. You go up in the rafters and I get on top of the hut and we just sit there and it's just kill after kill after kill after kill. And unless there's a, you know, kind of a cheeky uh, player scab that comes along and we play, you know, <laughs> run around the uh, run around the roof of the hut until I get him <laughs> to expose himself to you and you shoot him down from the top, which is basically what we do there. But you basically just sit there and farm scabs as they come through the middle of the map and if there's any kind of a player scab that sees your vulnerable side on the back, I can see every place that's vulnerable for the spot that you're in. And you can see everywhere on the other side of the map and through the hole in the wall into the office area. And it just turns out to be this fantastic farm. And when it really works, it all depends upon that first minute, minute and a half of intense PvP and getting rid of the PMCs. And so Developing the grenade strategy down glass hallway really, really helped. And it even in a solo situation as this week, as I was saying. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's true. I mean, uh, for, for those that are really curious about the spots that we ultimately set up in, uh, we typically run it where Ronald will be on the hut just up the ramp. And then I'll be on the rafter on the metal platform just outside of the office area. And the idea there is 
he's covering anything that would shoot me in the back, which when you're playing solo, if you're sitting on that metal ramp up outside of the breezeway is what I call it, you're completely exposed to a scav running up that ramp or a player scav going through the forklift spawn area and shooting you and you would have no audio before that would happen. So him being on the hut and me being in the rafter, I can actually cover basically delivery from the past plant spot to the gate zero exfil. I can look and hear rotations going through the office. And what it allows us to do, basically have scavs walk through the middle of the map and either he or I can take them out very safely and we can cover each other so that if one of us gets tagged up, the other one can actually back the other up and we'll typically leave a bunch of bodies. And then when we're ready to go or there's too many player scavs or something's going on, we'll group up, we'll go touch all the bodies, we'll get the experience from searching and looting those, and then we we scoot on out. Yeah, absolutely. And it works so well and it's become so repeatable for us that it's just almost it's almost like scaving. It's like, what do you want to do? Should we scav? I don't know, let's go let's go do factory. You know, it just becomes this almost relaxing kind of situation. But before we get off of Factory, and I know it's been like, I don't know, 20 minutes on this, but we have to talk about quite possibly the most interesting thing that's at least happened to me in game and where I've actually seen it happen. People talk about it all the time. And this was this was a crazy, crazy thing. I am certain that we killed somebody. Well, we killed both of them. I'm fairly certain we interrupted an RMT transaction in glass hallway (laughs) so we spawn and we do the same strat the grenade comes out and i come around ads and these guys are almost out of the glass hallway towards forklift i mean they spawned in and started sprinting and the nade goes off they retreat and i can see the alton and i don't know what the armor is but i'm guaranteed this guy is absolutely jacked up he's class six just torqued right and he had a thick armor on it wasn't a slick and i start shooting and i shot a ton of rounds i think at that point i was using the akm with a 60 rounder and i probably put 50 down the hallway because he's shooting back there's grenades coming we're throwing grenades uh ronald ends up grenade killing the level one by the way and then i ended up killing the big guy now the interesting part was it was a level one and it was someone that was wearing class six armor or it was i think it was a gen 4 might have been a gen 4 and an alton uh hk meta uh 360 round mags m995 vog grenades but then in his bags was bag sectioned and a just a boatload of hideout items and another whole set of gear and just a bu- <laughs> just a bunch of stuff that you that it, it was clear that they were either gearing up a brand new friend or (laughs) or it was an rmt and the reason i think it may have been an rmt transaction is the level one guy survived longer than the higher level guy which we don't know his level and the reason is when we killed him that guy went and proned on his body and the only thing the level one looted was his dog tag so we didn't know the name of the guy we didn't know the level of the guy and then the guy just laid there. <laughs> it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, you got to get my dog tag so they don't know who it is. I mean, we could be totally reading into the situation more than what it was, but it was really, really odd. And it 
felt like, I don't know, man, I if you just brought your friend in and you were going to go give him gear or something, I don't know that you would go to factory. And then, I don't know, it just was really odd, really odd. I agree. And I was thinking about this, looking down the hallway, I just saw a totally naked guy with a hatchet. It just doesn't make any sense. Like what we saw, it didn't make any sense at all. The second nade, you were dealing with the guy to the left. The second nade, I chucked it down there because we had no idea. We just knew there was two players down there. We had no idea what was there. So I chucked another nade and the ADS and look, and I saw him go down. And so then we looked and it was just like, what is this? <laughs> so that was, that was definitely a first. You know, you hear about RMT transactions getting interrupted. You know, before they made the change, you'd hear about, thick items cases full of bitcoins you know getting sent to a player or whatever and i don't know i've never actually run into that in tarkov until this week so it was definitely a first and um you know a good raid which we'll probably never forget so that was a good one (laughs) it was good so yeah i think um (laughs) i don't know i mean it could have been someone paid for a tarkov coach it could have been a friend is helping somebody who just got to start the wipe. We don't know. It felt really weird. Definitely uh, the closest thing that I could imagine to it being in-game, but that's, who knows? We'll we'll never know. We don't know the player's name. We don't know the level. Whatever. But anyway, so my week in Tarkov, <laughs> now that we're half an hour into the show, I have continued to push hideout progression. I'm level 37 right now. I've pushed hideout. So as we are talking right now, my solar power is in progress. So that costs about with the current prices because they doubled all of the requirements for that uh, particular upgrade, which we'll talk more about things that have changed. But the um, the cost for that was roughly six and a half million rubles in addition to what I had already farmed for it. So I went broke. And then got super lucky because I had the fertilizer task from mechanic unlock or was already unlocked. And I spent all my rubles. I had I sold stuff that I was saving for other things. I just wanted solar power in progress so that I could farm towards Bitcoin 3, which is the final upgrade in the hideout for me. But I had fertilizers, which was find five find and raid wires and five fine and raid capacitors and the reward was three bitcoin so i went broke and then i did four scav runs on interchange found those fine and raid items got the physical bitcoins sold them and was back up to like two million with all the other stuff that i found after going literally completely broke i was down to 27 rubles after starting the solar power update because it takes three days to do And then Bitcoin 3 takes four days to do. So I wanted to get that going because I wanted to get those installed ASAP. So my hideout is almost complete. I will have to get 25 more graphics cards. But once Bitcoin 3 is started, I will start farming and buying those so that I can put as many in upon completion as I can so that the Bitcoins just start to roll in all the time. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as hideout goes. But as far as level, I'm at 37. I've made a ton of progress, but I'm at a big slowdown point. And I remember this from last wipe. I'm 37 and I'm now running into all of the cosplay tasks, specifically with shotguns. Like every task I have, I swear I have to use a shotgun. Personally, I don't really like the gunplay of shotguns in any FPS game. And this was the point where 
I kind of hit where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run factory and grind it out till 40 last wipe. And I sort of veered off from the tasks. So intentionally this time around, I pushed into some of these shotgun tasks already. Um, I'm doing silent caliber right now and just need two more PMC kills out of the 10. And I've got the 20 suppressed 12 gauge shotgun tasks done. I'm close to getting that one done, and I wanted to push through some of that because this was a rut that I hit last wipe, and I just, I didn't want to hit that again. So I'm there, I'm not 40, I've got two and a half levels, and I'm going to have to grind out some of these cosplay tasks to get there because I don't really want to play factory or labs or anything for two and a half levels. That's just a lot of experience. So that's that's kind of where I've been as far as progression. Totally hideout focused, economy focused and leveling has happened as a result, and I've been very successful in tasking as well in putting a bunch of tasks together or lining them up right. I mean, I had an interchange raid this week where I completed three of the tasks in raid, but they subsequently unlocked tasks that I had already saved the items for or had the skill requirement high enough that I was able to turn in seven tasks at the end of the first interchange raid that I did on Monday which was an amazing feeling. It was worth like three quarters of a level. So been really, really good this week as far as tasks and progression goes. So yeah, great week so far, but um, <laughs> we kind of we transitioned into factory uh, without planning on that. So let's, let's get into what we intended to talk about tonight. What we wanted to talk about were some of the changes to barter items and hideout and tasks and and things that are happening, and a lot of these changes just happened in the last few days, and my experience in the last two wipes that I've played is that these changes happen. They've changed skills, they've changed barters, they've added items, they've added whole new classes of items like new matches and you know the cleaning products and, and things that have come into the game, new barter items, new trades, all of that. So expect these things to change. If this is your first wipe or you're just getting into the game or you're brand new, they will change things that you get used to or things that you were looking forward to. But maybe you haven't gotten this far yet or progressed to some of these, but it's just kind of nice to know what's going on with respect to some of these changes. And some of them have a little bit deeper uh, meaning behind them. At least I think so. We'll see if Ronald does too. So we're just going to kind of go through these. We'll we'll kind of comment on them. There's quite a few of them, and there's actually a big chunk one that will actually link to the Reddit post that has all of the changes related to it because there's way too many to go over. And frankly, it just wouldn't even make sense to say them verbally without being able to look at it. So the first one, and these are in no particular order, uh, the first one is the AKS-74UB which is a trade from Prapper Loyalty Level 2. You've probably seen this one because it has that big suppressor on the front of it, comes with the orange magazine with 30 rounds of ammo in it. A very popular trade, and this used to be one cat figurine, and it's now been changed to a cat figurine, two USB plugs, and a Marlboro cigarette. So a significant increase to the quantity of items you have to find not necessarily the value of items you have to find, but it's no longer a, oh, I found a cat figurine and I can go get that suppressed AK. I wonder if this is their somewhat funny way of making USB plugs worth something. <laughs> Same thought. I feel like USB plugs are one of those items that 
I think you have to find two for mechanic now, and that's it. That's the only thing they're good for, and they had to be find in raid. So, you know, every time you opened a file cabinet, it was like, no USB, no USB. Oh, dang it. You know, you'd find four of them in a, in a batch of file cabinets, and it's just a giant waste, unless you needed them for the mechanic task. So I, I agree. I think this one, along with another trade that we'll talk about a little later, my gut tells me that this was probably changed because you could probably buy cat figurines on the flea market and then make this trade and somehow make more money significantly than what the cat figurine was selling for on the flea market. I don't know if this is a I didn't check. I forgot to check if this was a locked one, like you could only do four of these per trader reset. But the fact that this one got changed suggests it was probably being used to generate a lot of currency. And there probably wasn't enough of a limiter on it to do that. So my gut tells me this was being used to uh, perhaps be abused and turned into a lot of extra currency, because otherwise I have no idea why this change would have happened. It's kind of a bit random. A lot of the trades kind of maybe make a little sense. Like, you know, you're trading screws and bolts, you know, for something that is kind of something you make-ish. You know, this is just, no, there's some garbage item in the game that we want to give value. And a lot of people are going to want to use this gun because of the 25 kills with this on customs early on. So there are going to be a lot of people that want this. So let's just give some value to some junk and see how it goes. I, I honestly think that's what this is. Yeah, and I think it's going to fail. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to hang on to USB plugs for this trade. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Um, the next one on the list is 7N31, which is the 9x19 ammo that was uh, very recently added to the game. And it is by far the best 9x19 ammo. And it went from being sold from proper loyalty level 3 to proper loyalty level 4, and then a significant increase in the price. And the price, as of right before this recording, was it was selling for 1,174 rubles per round from proper. This has got to be related to the Vector, wouldn't you think? I think it's got to be related to the Vector. But this ammo is insane. I mean, this ammo made MPXs, you know, really viable last wipe when they put this ammo in. And to the point where, you know, maybe it's related to the vector, but I think this change may have also been because the 7N31 was almost never purchasable from Prapper. It was almost always sold out within seconds of the reset. And I really don't think loyalty level 3 to loyalty level 4 is going to solve that unless they up the global quantity that can be purchased. But moving it from three to four in loyalty level, I don't know. It just seems like an interesting and ultimately not going to be a successful way to fix the problem. I mean, you're talking about the difference in what, like seven PMC levels before you can buy the ammo. And over time, everyone's going to get there anyway if they want to be able to purchase this. But I'm, I'm not sure about this one either. All it's going to do is just push more value into endgame players when you have more money than you know what to spend. You just buy your vector and get your set of an N31 loaded up and go and, and do your thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're trying to make it harder to get, but I just think it, it hurts. It hurts the mid game more. And I don't know if that was their intention or not to make it something of more of an endgame focused ammo. 
but it for sure hurts the mid game a little bit. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see changes to other end game ammo because they have added crafts for some of it. They've moved that around in past wipes. They've had some ammo go from being sold by traders to not. And so I want to look closely at AP 6.3, which is the previously best ammo for 9x19 before 7 and 31 came out. And I'm curious if they make any changes to when that's available, pricing, do they make it available earlier? I'm really interested in that because maybe that's the play. Maybe they're going to move all of the endgame ammo further and further out or make it more and more expensive, which again, isn't as prohibitive as it sounds. And, you know, related back to my progression in the hideout, the reason I'm pushing for Bitcoin 3 with 50 graphics cards is at the current price of Bitcoin, which let's just call it 500,000 rubles, which it's been way above that and it dropped a little bit below and it's back there now. The max out Bitcoin farm produces almost five of those a day, you know, so over 2 million rubles worth. So at some point, price and trader level are not a way to restrict things like this. So I'm not sure what this change was intended to do unless we're going to see subsequent changes to ammo. And since they're changing 9 by 19 ammo, I'm going to have a close eye on the rest of it. Do they bring in another ammo type? Do they change AP 6.3? We'll see. Mm -hmm. The next thing on the list is absolutely crazy. I I, I, I can't. I know what it is already. (laughs) I, I, I can't believe they did this. I'll just be honest with you. I can't believe they did this. And I don't think that they can believe they did this because it's already changed. But for what the better part of a day or, or not long, generator level one required a car battery to construct and install, in addition to all the other things that you had to get for it. So think about that. Generator level one, you had to either buy a 250K car battery or find one, you know, in like interchange or something for level one generator. That is absolutely insane. I know we chatted a little bit about this and I know, you know, I think you should tell everybody kind of what your take is on it. And I, I think it's a, <laughs> Hey, don't, it's not my take. It's my silver lining. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever you're you know, the podcast or silver lining out of this one is, I mean, for me, I just think this was stupid, but go ahead, lay, lay on, lay on trigger silver lining. <laughs> my initial reaction was like, are they serious? Why? Who? Why? I was the same way. I feel like this was that battle between realism and fun. And it literally hit them square in the face. They're like, well, if you're going to build a generator in your secret underground base, your character who's able to respawn magically and keep fighting and getting his gear back goes into his base for his generator. He's going to need to find a car battery. That makes sense, right? You need the power. So someone was probably like, that makes perfect sense. It's the realism factor. Let's do it. And I think they completely <laughs> missed how hard these things are to not only find, like, and I say hard, I'm going to say relative to most items, car batteries are low spawn rate. They're heavy. They take up six slots. Not an easy item to pull out. Now, my silver lining on it was, well, you need four of them found in raid for a task. You need an additional four for hideout upgrades after that. So before this change happened, if you were brand new to the game or you hadn't been focused on tasking or hideout, 
there would be a point where you found out that you needed to go find this new item, the car battery, and then you'd have to go learn where to find it. And oh, by the way, you need four of them. Oh, and you need to survive with four of them in your bag. Or you can go find a tank battery, which is usually only found on reserve. I'm not even sure if you can find them anywhere else. I've only found them on reserve. Or you have to craft your scav box in your hideout, which is way later beyond when you would need these to get a tank battery and break that down into car batteries or go to the flea market. So this item is not an easy one to get. So the silver lining or maybe the thing they were trying to accomplish, at least in my mind, when I'm trying to figure out one good thing or one reason why this could have been done was, well, if you had to be forced to go find one to make generator level one, perhaps was this was the way to say, hey, you need to go learn new player where to find a car battery so that you know where you could find it and learn that because soon you're going to need to find a bunch more. And I'm looking at what they've done with the tasks this wipe and reduced a bunch of the quantities that you've needed for some of the find and raid requirements. And this was kind of playing into that narrative for me because I really do think there needs to be a a better ramp curve for quantity of finding things or when you find them. And so maybe this was a first step in something that wasn't fully implemented. And I could be giving way more credit than it's due. But hey, you need to find one car battery that's not found in raid for your hideout level one. So you learn where to find it. And then you need to go find four more or two more, three more, four more for later stuff. That's the only thing I could come up with was that was the attempt. It was realism. And then just a complete misunderstanding of how hard these things are actually to find. Because that that question came up in Discord. It came up in the general chat for Tarkov was, where do you find car batteries? I have no idea where to get them and I need a bunch. So that's that's the silver lining that I found. And I, I mean, maybe I'm giving Battlestate way more credit than it's due because uh, you alluded to that it was already changed. And uh, they've now made it just one spark plug that you need in addition to the previous requirements for Generator 1. Now it's just a spark plug. So if you want to talk about radical differences in requirements, going from a car battery to a spark plug? (laughs) Those things are way, way not the same. (laughs) Not even close, man. Uh, Holy cow. Well, you know, I'm glad they changed it back because I think that much of a roadblock that early in the game is a pretty big hill to climb. So I think they recognize that and whatever feedback mechanisms they're paying attention to, I think there was a lot of a lot of beta feedback on that particular change. And I just I have to my heart goes out to the one or two people that are going to hear this and they're going to say, oh, my gosh, I upgraded or installed my generator level one while that was active. And I either went and found a car battery or I bought one. And I am sorry that this is how you're finding out that you either spent way too much money on that or you could have waited a day and didn't need to do that. Sorry that we're informing you about it. If it's you, please, please, in episode feedback or general chat, I want to know if you did it. Because I know there's somebody out there that got to the point where they wanted that generator level one. They went and looked at the requirements and, oh, it was a car battery, so I'm going to go get it. So if that was you, let us know. Would love to hear back on that one. So the next one uh, is interesting. 
they have changed crouch walking to also take some leg stamina away. So not crouched and totally slow walking, but when you're just crouch walking, your leg stamina will reduce. And if you're crouch walking while ADSed, you will lose arm stamina and leg stamina at the same time. I actually really like this change. I think that it adds more of a dynamic than just sneaking around the map. You know, crouch walking and I am a serial sneak around the mapper. So this actually affects me, but I actually don't mind because I think it's a good change. It stops people from trying to be as silent as possible and moving, you know, across an entire area or whatever without some kind of penalty. So I'm actually okay with this. Yeah, and this it's kind of a realism one that kind of makes sense, right? If you're trying to figure out how much noise you're making and speeds and what should cost you stamina, I mean, imagine carrying a backpack and a gun and crouch walking 30 meters. Like, that's not going to be easy. <laughs> you know, like it's it's not like walking. And so I like this because it also points to them looking at potentially sound and other things like, okay, crouch walking, if we're talking in terms of sound, crouch walking should probably make more noise than standing up and slow walking, right? And it's not that way currently. And so I I hope this is them looking at some of these systems from a realism that just like what makes sense Right. I know that the norm in gaming has been if you're crouched, you make less noise than when you're walking than when you're running. But in a game that pays so much attention to, you know, even if your backpack rubs against a leaf, I feel like the other side of the map can hear it. So I think this is going to be the first part, hopefully, of some more changes as it relates to this, because it does make sense. It's intuitive and it makes for interesting choices. And it it was paired with a bunch of arm stamina changes, ergonomic changes to a bunch of magazines and gun attachments. We're going to link the Reddit post where the Escape from Tarkov wiki moderator posted this. I think it's like every magazine in the game (laughs) had had the ergonomics and stuff changed. And there were, again, there's other changes listed out on this document, but they did a bunch of these changes and arm stamina is also reduced so you can't hold your gun up for as long. So you can't remain ADS for as long. So now you're going to lose stamina while you're walking, crouched. You also can't ADS as long before wearing out. It takes longer to recover from that. I don't know that it's perfect out of the gate. The arm stamina felt really weak to me today when I was messing around with this stuff. Like how fast your arm stamina while ADS runs out. Like there was times where I was shocked. I felt like I had just ADS in and then I had to drop the gun because I was heavy breathing. Or the other one is, man, you really regen slow now. So I would ADS and then I would wait a second. And under the old system, I kind of had it timed where I could start ADSing again. And I was nowhere near that point. And I would start ADSing and then I'm already out of arm stamina again. So all of this stuff is changing. I think the interesting part about this is the changes to stamina. If you want to say that it was nerfed so that stamina wasn't as powerful, you could do that. But to your point, Eric, you said that it's going to make interesting decisions as a result of what you're doing as far as movement, because you can't just stand down a hallway ADS forever now. 
And that means if you're doing that and someone's pushing into you, you're going to have to release your ADS and make a noise. And then when you re-ADS, you make another noise. So what this really means is players are going to be making more noise on the maps, which means that I think more encounters are going to happen as a result. Yep, I think so too. I don't mind that. You know, there's definitely some areas and some maps. I'll just speak generically. I've got a couple examples off the top of my head, but there's definitely room in Tarkov for more sound in closed areas in people that sit in a certain position and don't move. So it's going to be different, but also not the end of the world. Agreed. So one of the other big things that they're doing is the grenade case is craftable in laboratory level two now, which I actually think is huge and kind of annoying because I just bought one. So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So now for two metal fuel tanks, one metal cutting scissor, Five bolt, five screw nuts, and a wrench. So it's very similar to crafting a mag case. You can actually make yourself a grenade case. And if you're wondering, they were 580k on the flea, and now you can probably make it for a third of that. So that is actually... For now. (laughs) Yeah, for now. But that actually, I think, is a great move. Because everyone's got a million grenades in their stash. They're just floating around. You can't put them anywhere. And so that's the reason I bought one is because I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit hard to manage. So good craft should be a profitable one too. I'm assuming the inputs should be profitable considering that the metal fuel tanks are not the blue ones. They're the the gray ones. And you should be able to use those anyways as they are spent in your generator. So you're going to have a steady supply of those. And when the time comes, you know, when the prices start to normalize for more of the mid to late wipe, the price of the fuel tanks you'll get them from jaeger you know you'll buy them for 89 or 90k and then you'll burn them up with your generator and when you have solar power that's like 196 hours for what six cans so you're going to have a steady supply of these so i actually think that um, it's a good craft i think it's going to be a profitable one and especially in that i'll say early mid game before you have all those things you're still going to be able to do this and make some money Yeah, I actually didn't know this was in there until basically going through and trying to figure out what all these changes were, because there was no patch about this. It was all just reported changes that got aggregated in different spots. And so I'm actually pumped for this, because for somebody that like me that loves running the interchange map on my scav, I have and have tons of these things all the time, you know, and The same place I get metal cutting scissors, I find wrenches there all the time. You know, I would expect that, you know, the metal fuel tanks, those will go up in price. Wrench gains some value here. I don't know that this really changes screw nuts, bolts, and metal cutting scissors because those had value from the other crafts already. So by the time you hear this, I'd imagine the price normalizes a bit. But magazine cases are quite profitable as well. So I would anticipate, like you said, that this one is as well. And this is probably going to be the next thing that I craft when I log in and my lavatory is open because I'm certain that I have close to the requirements for this if I just pull it out of my generator. I think the most interesting part for me is I used to just go after the blue fuel canisters once I had generator three or beyond because they provided so much time anyway for the power to be on that metal fuel tanks were really useless to me. 
last wipe and even this wipe they were already starting to become useless so this is great i think this is awesome you know you probably won't see as many of these on the shelves when you're running around at the end of a raid with your scav you probably won't stumble on as many metal fuel tanks as you did before but i think this is actually a great change i'm i'm looking forward to this one it's just a probably another profit center in lavatory yep and those are good things you gotta have i'll call them you know minor profit centers that you can craft on a somewhat reliable basis that are not ammo which is fluctuates all over the place right right those other things that you can get so good change everyone should be excited about that very good change and along the same lines about new crafts in the hideout they also added crafts to the lavatory for fleece aramid cordura and ripstop aka all of those cloth items that go into many of the trades uh, or barters with the vendors for good armors and other crafts. I actually, this these are really cool. I am actually really impressed with this one, actually. So really quickly, you can craft Cordura by doing three security vests in the lavatory, which is that new scav vest, that black scav vest that you see. You can do Ripstop with three scav vests, Aramid for one pack of armor, and you can craft a fleece with four of the UX Pro beanies, which is the green beanie. And so this is another one that's kind of like sort of under the radar, but it's not only going to be useful for the find and raid requirements for the textile part two task, which is a later task, but it's going to ease it up for if you want to craft a slick on your own, you're going to be able to, over time, get things off your scav or off of scavs that you've killed and and craft this stuff in your hideout, which I think is really cool. I think this is great. Yep, especially when you need one of those things and you can't find it or whatever. So I'm pretty excited about this one too. Those are somewhat not common. You know, it's kind of interesting, the cloths, because I go through streaks where I find them and then go through streaks where I don't find them at all. So it's I think it's a good equalizer because I'm sure there's other people that kind of have that same situation developing too. Yeah, I think that those cloths are something almost car battery-like. They have very unique spawn points. And when you got to that task, it was like, surprise, you got to go find 17 of these cloths. (laughs) And, oh, you've never found a spot where they drop because nothing else spawns where they do? Tough luck. So I, I think this is, again, it's in that kind of ramp up story where it's like, okay, well, if I can craft it in the hideout, it's probably useful. Why would I need to do that? It's just speaking to a smoother progression curve, which I think is needed. I really do. There's so many items in the game, and they're probably going to keep adding more. So I think this is a good change for that reason. Yep. Next change on the list is the ADAR trade from Skier Level 1. Now, this one is kind of personally frustrating to me because I did a lot of this, and it used to be able to take one rechargeable battery and get basically a serviceable ADAR that you could roll with at level one. And I thought this was a great, great early game trade to give a competitive gun to just a low level player. But now they've made it one rechargeable battery in two chainlets. This kind of effectively ends this as a viable trade for a level one player, probably probably really for a while. I mean, because you don't have the flea market to level 10. So this basically ends this for that one to 10 experience realistically. And I'm not so sure that I think this is going to be a good change. I, I I personally am not excited about it. What do you think? 
Uh, I think this one sucks, man. And I think, unfortunately, it could have probably been done in a different way, like just add a limit to the number of these you can do. Because again, my gut tells me is it was just being abused by people buying rechargeable batteries, getting the ADAR, and turning it into rubles. And I'm sure that people did it tens of thousands of times or something. And it was just one of those trades that they were like, well, the easiest thing to do is make it harder. Whereas maybe that's not even the easiest thing. This is just a weird way to change it. I don't know. I, I, this one sucks. <laughs> I never, I personally didn't use this trade very often, but I loved that it existed because rechargeable batteries are found super commonly in things like file cabinets, which if you're a new player and you're trying to think about scaving and where am I going to get items, if you walk into a room and you see file cabinets, it's like one of the most intuitive things that you go check. And then when you learn that you can search each drawer in the file cabinet, that's like the biggest win ever because you're like, oh, I found a file cabinet. I have four loot. Oh, there's one next to it. There's eight. Oh, I stumbled into this spot on interchange and there's three. Oh my gosh. Oh, in the pier building on shoreline, there's two standing up and one on the floor and the one on the floor is lootable. I just, it's like one of the coolest, like intuitive moments when you discover file cabinets for a new player. And this trade was great for new players because it rewarded you for looting file cabinets is where I found most of these and getting a gun uh, that's, like you said, serviceable and a good gun out of the gate. So, yeah, this sucks to me. I, I don't get it. I really don't. I really think that they could have changed the frequency at which you're allowed to do the trade. And I've had this idea of a third type of frequency instead of having it be like per reset. Just maybe make it, you can only get one per PMC raid. So it, the counter resets if you do a PMC raid. You know what I mean? That way it still is applicable and still helps you progress before you have the flea market, but you can't cheese it, you know, to generate a bunch of money. It really only exists to get you a gun if you died in your previous PMC raid. I think something like that would have been a much easier way to stop people from, you know, cheesing the vendor or cheesing the item to produce currency and they could have done that and it wouldn't have hurt those early time players. So I, I, I'm not a fan of this one and I don't think it makes the game better. Yeah. I, I just think at this point with the number of people playing and how quickly you can progress through levels and hide out and all that, you know, we talked about seven and 31, that nine by 19 ammo. It's not an interesting decision because you can never buy it. If I'm just randomly thinking like, oh, I want to go run a PP-19 or an MPX and I go to buy that ammo, it's never available. That's uninteresting. It's actually just stupid, in my opinion. And I wish there was a, like, get rid of the global limit. Give me a daily player limit. It's not interesting right now on some of this stuff when the way I want to play the game gets affected because somebody is abusing the flea market mechanics on a rechargeable battery, which is not why the trade exists. It's not to make money. But if they went away from the global limit and went to a player limit or a per raid limit or something that was player based, well, if you want to take three rechargeable batteries per day and buy three ADARs because there was a player limit, great, make the money on that. Take your 30k rubles and run, you know, but for the, you know, the guy out there who made, you know, 8 million rubles selling this ADAR, I'm upset with you. I just want you to know that. <laughs> and moving on down the list, this is another change which 
is going to affect a lot of people. That new Koran Class 5 armor, that new black armor they put in the game, uh, Late Last Wipe, that is very repairable, that a lot of people use, is now having about a 19-20% increased in its repair cost. Which, this is huge, because you unlock basically this armor in your mid-20s, and you can start using it and buy it from a trader, which is huge. Because of its repairability, it really was a great option to be competitive with, say, take a 25-level player versus a 40-level player. This gave them a chance. And now with Battlestate you know, imposing such a stiff increase in repair cost on this, it's going to just draw down people's ruble counts faster. And I'm not exactly sure why they did this, to be honest with you. And again, I, I don't think this change is going to help anybody. I don't think this change is designed to help anyone. I guess I look at this one and the Koran was so repairable in that I don't even really care about repair cost. I'm more interested in the amount of hit point reduction, you know, so the Koran repaired extremely well. I think it only lost a hit point or two, even from proper. And if you went to mechanic, it was like, you know, 0.4 to 1.0. So you could use it over and over and over and over again. And so in my mind, the Koran was put in as an alternative to the white gazelle armor, which is the other class 5 that was similarly expensive, but the white gazelle armor is not very repairable. It's expensive and it loses huge chunks of durability every time you repair it. So in my mind, the way that the Koran was, it was available earlier, it was less hit points than the gazelle, but it had a low repair cost and it had a very low repair durability loss. I think upping the repair cost on a class 5 armor that was better in almost every way than the Gazelle, I think it's probably okay. I think if they changed the repair cost and the durability or changed the price too much, I would have been a little bit more worried about this. But I still think that it's the repair cost, right? So that means you survived and got hit and got out with it and you have to fix it after that that's the only negative so it's still giving the same amount of protection in that 25 level 25 versus level 40 scenario you outlined if you survive though it's going to cost you a little more to repair it but it's still making you focus on the survival not on dying and having to buy a new one so i actually think this is a good change fair enough the next thing on the list is uh, Vaseline. Now is six uses instead of ten. And if you know if you're used to using that on a consistent basis, you know you're gonna basically have to buy basically twice as many of them. I guess I'm not sure if I really have a strong opinion on this one either way. Kind of indifferent. No, and they added the craft in Med Station for it and gave soap a purpose, which is great. <laughs> so I, I would imagine it's related to that. Vaseline was really good. 10 use, very little downside. You know, you lost some hydration, some energy, but now you can craft it and you can craft it pretty easily with some, with soap. Soap used to not really have a purpose. Now it does. So again, again, it's just more of a graded, you know, you have your early starter items, you have your painkillers, you then have your Vaseline, your ibuprofen, and then you have the golden star is at the top of the chain. So a little bit more of a curve moving into that. And I think it probably has something to do with the changes they made to painkillers this wipe. The regular painkillers, just the little, you know, pill packs, you get 17 hydration taken away when you pop one of those and you only get like 80 seconds of painkilling. 
you know, so you can't just pop those pills to get rid of pain anymore without really hurting your hydration. And ibuprofen, this wipe has minus 15 hydration. And then Vaseline is only minus five hydration per use and minus five energy. And then Golden Star is similar to Vaseline, but it has buffs to both energy. I think you gain back one or the other for five seconds or maybe even both. I think this is probably just more making it so you've got early, mid, and late game pain killing effects. Like, yeah, it's going to affect people that only ran Vaseline and now they only get six hits. But I don't know, it may free up a gamma slot too. You know, if you kept your 10 use vaseline in your secure container now maybe once it's three or four use maybe you move it up and you have an extra slot for you know a propital or an etg or carrying something else valuable in your secure container so it could help with that regard too yep and finally they made some changes to the shotgun tasks and this is something that you should talk about because you've done some interesting shotgun configurations (laughs) to say the least (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they changed a bunch of the shotgun tasks to not be specific to like the MP-153 and 133, for example. And now it's just 12-gauge shotguns. In the past, you know, six months, they've added quite a few shotguns to the game. Uh, They've made them more available on scavs. They, you know, buckshot is now quite good. I'm sure everybody this wipe has ran into a buckshot scav or two that ruined your day. But they changed the task, so it's only 12-gauge. That's the requirement, is 12-gauge, so you can pick your poison now. When I read this and realized it, I was getting ready to work on Silent Caliber, which is use a suppressed 12-gauge gun now to kill 20 scabs, 10 PMCs. And I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, I can use the Saiga. And, and maybe you could even before on this particular one. But I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get started with this. I'm going to get suppressed. So I modded one top to bottom, the best I could find, high ergo, and, you know, RK3, redid the buttstock, redid all of it, you know, the RK6 foregrip, the whole bit, 20 round mag, or whatever, I drum mag, 20 round drum mag, I almost said clip, sorry, uh, mag, <laughs> 20 round drum mag, AP20, had a slot open in my, my vest, and had two five rounders, just in case, and I get into factory. I want to get this task started. Then I was going to shoreline and woods and beyond. This may be like the first time I had ever run into this scenario. And I know we've talked a lot on factory tonight, but I seriously have never seen this in the, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times that I've run factory. I spawn it on forklift. I'm kitted out. Face shield, everything, you guys. Class five armor, the whole bit. No one spawned in glass hallway. No one spawned to the left. And then I hear running. And they're running for quite a while in the tunnel area. And then they start running from the tunnel area. And then they run past the ramp, run all the way down the hallway. And I'm just standing there listening to this. And then they run down that hallway and they're going to the, I'm thinking they're going to the extract. Or I'm thinking it's a scav that is hunting down a pistol runner or something. I don't know. Comes flying up and I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm sitting here looking at the staircase. He's going to come up. And this guy comes up the staircase looks at me, I shoot, he ducks back down, and this guy pops up and just one taps me in the head. And I was stunned. I've never seen somebody run through the tunnels all the way through there and run up that staircase in the beginning of the map. I mean, he made so much noise, and he just, he won. <laughs> you know what? I lost my fully decked out 100,000 ruble Saiga. I was pissed. <laughs> 
So anyway, then I had to go back and modded some MP153s and, and got after it. But my goodness, you know, I'm excited about the 12 gauge, you know, across the board change. That's great. But um, man, my first go at the shotgun tasks was not good. <laughs> yeah, I've lost a few shotguns already trying to do some of the before tasks where you don't have to wear any of the costume stuff, just the regular ones. And uh, it's always interesting because shotguns are kind of more of an art than science. You just got to be good at the kind of the flick aim with the giant long barrel on the 153, right? You know, it's like waving <laughs> a giant pipe around. And then you've got, you know, the shorter stuff too, which is really interesting. And and they're so different than Mosins, you know? So it's just, it's like the whole experience with a shotgun takes so much practice to get even remotely proficient at. So I, I I think it's interesting that they made this change. I think it's good because then you can find a 12-gauge gun that you like and everyone has their own preference and you can get these tasks done and it'll just make progression in the game a little bit easier. Yeah, I think it's great that you can cho- like pick your poison. I think shotguns are poison, so I'll stick to that phrase. Overall, I think, again, I think there's some really interesting changes here. I think it's a little bit deeper than surface level on why some of these things are changing. So we're going to keep an eye on it. I would encourage you to keep an eye on it because the vast majority of what we talked about tonight was made with zero warning to anybody and it just showed up. And, you know, say what you want about a change that gets made and then in well under 24 hours, maybe even under 12, they change that generator level one car battery snafu. So you say what you will about that. I mean, that was a... (laughs) They probably can't believe they did it too, or they just didn't understand how big of a deal that is that early. And so I look at some of these other changes and say, is that 8R1 going to get reverted or changed? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see where those go. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was some more tweaks before this episode even comes out. So we'll be excited to uh, keep an eye on this. And yeah, there's some great ones in here. There's some that I just really don't understand, but I think it's worth knowing what they are. Absolutely. So let us know down in the comments or join Discord in episode feedback. Let us know what you think of these changes. Have you noticed any of them so far? Have any of them affected your gameplay strategy at all? Or do you not care? Either way, let us know. But besides all of that, the green bar is starting to flash, which means we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, as always, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for being part of the Xville community. Everything about the EXO community thrives because of all of you. We really appreciate everyone who's taking their time to engage in the community, answer each other's questions, and just make it a good and mature and respectful place to talk about games and enjoy gaming content. So as always, thank you for listening to the show or watching it on YouTube, however you consume the show. We hope you have a great week with all of your raids, and we'll catch you on the next one. See everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Catch you out there.